What are you going to do, Commissioner? There's only one thing we can do. Batman! Sir, it's the bat film. Yes, Commissioner. Batman! We'll be right there. This Bam Pow. This is Batman Land. Be careful. Maybe a trap. Each week we chat about the 1966 Batman TV show. We're Batman and Robin, the crime fighters. We discuss the episodes airing this week on SBS Vice Land. My name is Dan Barrett. I'm an editor at SBS. And look, I'll be honest, I didn't plan to be recording a podcast about this episode, but my co-host, he busted out his own Bat Cerebrum manipulation device. And here I am, Batman, his SBS guide editor, Nick Bassine. I'm sorry, I didn't hear any of that because it's um, it's like a hair um, dryer. Yeah, it's, it's very loud. One of those things. Yeah, thankfully I can see through it. It's like a transparent one. That and your yeah, hair's yeah. never looked better. Well, thank you very much. You're very kind. It's very fluffy. I've been putting extra product in it. Mm-hmm. Um, a mousse, a yeah. finishing mousse, a um, leave-in conditioner. Can I ask you a question? You're a modern man, right? You better believe it. You see the world, people walk past you and go, that guy, he's got it together. Uh, He knows the score. That's what they say about me. When you walk to like your local supermarket or like a price line or something like that. I don't do my own shopping. Oh, you don't? No, I have someone do that for me. Okay. Well, okay. Well, when I send the person out, yeah. Yeah. But like when you're choosing products for yourself, like usually you choose like the product you want and then like your minions go out and get that product. Yeah, correct. You know, repeat visits. Correct. If you're at the supermarket or a price line or some sort of hair type place and you're looking, you've got the shelf there, there's the four or five hair products that are coming through. Some of them, you know, are not for you. You don't need manga hair. Your hair's not that big. Right. Okay. But do you know necessarily what you're looking for in terms of the strength of your hair products? I want the, uh, I don't want the wet look. I know that. Yeah. I want something that, I want a volumizer. Hmm. And, You're uh, concerned about the lack of volume going on there? I am. Yeah. And I want um, a decently strong hold because mm. I don't want it to get kind of light and feathery throughout the day. Yeah. I, I can never really work out what I'm after. It's either too flat or too floppy. You haven't settled into a comfort zone with the kind of product you want to use. I'll go through periods for about three or four months. I'm very comfortable with something. And then, I don't know, it just doesn't seem to- just keep changing. Yeah. Are you unhappy with the way you look? Just generally, yeah. <laughs> Well, that might be a larger problem. Yeah, maybe. You know what a big problem is? Hold on. How much of that has to do with your hair? 90, 95% of it. Oh, that is an interesting conundrum. Can I uh, point out a bit of just a, you know, a bit of an insight into my world? Please. I got a haircut on Monday morning. I remember it. Yeah. I remember Monday. I don't remember the haircut. Yeah, it was Monday morning. It was a thing that happened. I didn't expect you to really be aware okay. of this. But anyway, I went and got a haircut. Okay. And midway through the guy, and like, I've been going to this guy for a couple of months. He's a decent man. Okay. He's like, hey, have you noticed this? And he gets out the mirror and he points out that, and look at the side of my head here. He's like, point out this area. So it's not a traditional like male bald spot, but he's like, I think you're suffering from alopecia because I have a small like 10 cent coin size bald spot, which kind of, oh. thankfully it's in a place where my hair can kind of go over it a bit. But yeah, I have like this weird bald spot on the side of my head. Alopecia is tiny spots. Uh, so it's like sort of bald hair spots. Uh, I, I don't know. I think it can be more severe and less severe. The recent SBS uh, web series Queens. Homecoming Queens had a she young woman suffering from that. Through yeah, that. that's right. So I think that's like an extreme case of alopecia. And what, how, did you, how did it make you feel? Oh, uh, look, I mean, I looked at it and I was like, well, thankfully it's not in the traditional bald spot. So I was kind of okay with that. But I don't know. Like I felt slightly uncomfortable just because it's a medical thing that I can't really control. But at the same time, I also can't control it. And he said, like, often stress is the thing that triggers it off. Because oh. my hair guy, like, he knows what's going on with hair. Uh, he said, like, maybe stress is sort of what's going. And I'm like, yeah, okay. And, like, he said, next time you're at the doctor's, just have a chat with him. 
So I'm going to do that. I'm not freaking out about it, but, you know, it's just an interesting thing in my week. That is interesting. Mm. Um, but I did also have like a sort of reasonably serious head injury late last year, which you'd be right. well across. I am. But it was actually like in the traditional sort of male bald spot sort of space. And I lost a fair bit of hair from there and it wasn't really growing back for a while. And I'm like, maybe this is my lot in life now. But thankfully, it started to sir. What do you think back. is contributing to all the stress that's causing these uh, problems? The biggest problem I'd have is that quite regularly, I find myself in radio studios recording Batman Land podcasts, and I can never remember what happened on this week's episode, Nick. Boom. That's why you're paid the big bucks. That's exactly it. Nick, can you please remind us what happened this week's Batman? Okay, so the Black Widow, who is not played by Scarlett Johansson. Oh, this is worse than I thought. Robs a Gotham bank. Money can't buy happiness. Happiness can't buy money. The always incompetent police call Batman and Robin, who study the bank guy's brain and determine that she, the Black Widow, controlled his mind. First my money, now my brain. She keeps robbing banks because Batman and Robin have no idea what they're doing. We're looking for a lady on a motorcycle. Have you seen such a lady? Though they do realize that she's going through the bank alphabetically. It's as simple as ABC. They try to stop her, but she maces Batman with instant nerve paralyzer, while Robin looks on and does nothing like a doofus. Sorry, Batman. Batman and Robin then track the Black Widow to a house, get fooled by a couple of robots, get something from the Batcave, then come back to the same house where she traps them in a literal web. My arms and legs! I'm stuck! With very fake-looking spiders. <laughs> they electrocute themselves into spiders, then Black Widow hypnotizes Batman and knocks Robin out. Black Widow and Batman drink some milk. She tries to rob a bank with a fake Batman who gets shot point blank in the head by a policeman, murdering an iconic hero. I've killed Batman. Robin unhypnotizes Batman. There's a fight. Batman hypnotizes Black Widow, who agrees to return all the money. We end with some extremely questionable and unconstitutional brain manipulation and genetic engineering to decriminalize Black Widow and her henchmen. Now, here's the thing. Uh, I was excited by the fact that this is all happening within another groovy day for Gotham City. Oh, it was very groovy. I got (laughs) off to a very groovy start, baby. Incredibly groovy start. These episodes, this is the Black Widow Strikes Again and Course in a Spider's Den, originally aired on the 15th and the 16th of March, 1967. Can I I just, uh, how has the Black Widow struck again? Isn't this the first time we've seen her? The first and only time that we see her. How is it Black Widow strikes again? Okay, here's the thing. So I approached this episode with the knowledge that the Black Widow is not exactly a well-remembered character, nor is it the Marvel superhero character. Is there a corollary in the comics? Uh, I mean, there's a number of corollaries you could sort of look at. Okay, mostly in terms of female villains of whom have some mind like manipulation. Who's the one with white people- hair? Uh, white hair. I'm not too sure who you'd is be talking about. Is she in Birds of Prey? Are you talking about Black Canary? Maybe. She's a superhero, so it doesn't no, quite no, sort of no, count. No, no. But I was thinking like Poison Ivy would probably be a fairly sort of strong right. link to your character. But I was thinking, because this is 1967, I thought, what about the Black Widow character we know these days being the Marvel character, Natasha mm-hmm. Romanov? Um, is that right? It's Natasha. Yes, yes. Yeah, a Russian woman. I think it sounds good. Yeah, I, I think it's Romanov. When did she come around? So apparently she made her first appearance in Marvel's Tales of Suspense, issue 52, and that was in 1964. So it predates this character. So Marvel blatantly ripping off a bad guy from um, DC. No, well, this character existed before the DC. Oh, sorry, vice villain. versa. Yeah, because in 1967, that was 64. I just read about... Um, Slade Wilson, 
Oh, you saw about Deathstroke. Yeah. Deathstroke the Terminator. And then Deadpool being Wade Wilson. I mean, that is just shameless. Well, Deadpool is a parody of the Deathstroke character from the DC comics. Is it a strict parody? Yeah. That's how the character began. Much in the same way that the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and all the things associated with them are parodies of Daredevil. Oh my God, that's right. They look a lot like Daredevil, don't they? In the early 80s, uh, you had Frank Miller writing the Daredevil comics and he had a whole bunch of villains. Uh, I think it's called the... Oh gosh, I'm not a big Daredevil guy, so I'm Kingpin not too sure. Kingpin was a big villain. Uh, well, Kingpin's a villain, but you've got uh, there's a whole bunch of like ninja henchmen. There's just like hundreds upon hundreds. Oh, the of hand, them. the hand. That's it. That's right. So you've got them as the villain in Daredevil, and so when they were creating the sort of analogs oh, within the, the, foot, ninja, the foot, the Foot Clan. That's right. Yeah. So Ninja Turtle was a lot of it was the parodies of all the ninja stuff that was happening in Daredevil at the time. Oh, it's so much more rich when you know the references, Dan. Yeah, very much so. That's what Batman Land's all about. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. But anyway, getting back to this, we've got the villain Black Widow. They introduce her as though, oh, look, there's this great villain that we're- yeah, Oh, you know, no, here comes Black Widow who's tortured us for so long. Which immediately we know as viewers means that this is going to be a crappy villain <laughs> and there's no real redeeming uh, value to her at all. And as we see within the episode, that's completely true. Because I'd say the Black Widow, not particularly a fearsome villain. She doesn't really do much that's really upsetting the financial status quo of Gotham. She doesn't no. strike fear into the everyday citizen. She's not doing much to really take away from the financial value of the town. Like, I'm not sure what her real threat is to Gotham City. Um, she's a petty criminal at best. And she's kind of genial and... Um, she seems very nice. And nice. And so, yeah, she doesn't really strike fear into the hearts of man. And her easygoing nature also makes the insults hurled at her uh, a little bit incongruous. Like when she's called a she-devil, mm. which she's which is done several times in these episodes for no reason. They really attack her gender a number of times through these. And it... It just doesn't make any sense. She's just a nice old lady. She is. I mean, you call her an old lady. So I think the actress who played her, the great Lula Bankhead, uh, she was, I think, 62 when she played this character. Yeah. It's actually her last on-screen credit. Yes, that's right. Yeah. I saw that. Uh, now you're familiar with Ms. Bankhead's work. Yes, only from um, Lifeboat, the Alfred Hitchcock movie. I yeah. saw that a long time ago, and uh, she's she's the star, I believe. When I was looking up her credits, she hasn't done a lot on on Batman. A lot of the older actresses or actors will have, you know, 500 things in their in their IMDb profiles, but she just had a few and I looked at some of she would show up on talk shows and she I guess she had just kind of a way about her and people liked having her around, but I don't she wasn't in a million movies. No. Lifeboat was the big one, I think. But I mean she had been working since really the advent of cinema in the US. So I mean she's been a presence. Yes. So her appearing on Batman back in the day it would have been a big deal. a huge deal. Yes. It's probably the biggest movie star they had on the show, right? What other movie stars have been on? Uh look Cary Grant? I don't think Cary Grant's been in this one. Humphrey like, Bogart? No, no, you had like Jerry Lewis in an episode. Like, they've been big movie stars. Yeah, You've Edward got big G. Names. Robinson was in. He was a big name. Yeah, uh, you had like Otto Preminger in there as yeah, Mr. Freeze. Big. Yeah, so like there are names. It's yeah, not like yeah. this is an anomaly or anything. Like, this is just kind of part of what Batman was doing. But I did find it fascinating thinking about the way that casting happens on this show. And it's completely counter to what you experience in 2018 where we're really looking at the after effects of youth culture taking its grip on American culture. And that happened in the mid to late 60s. And it seems interesting watching this show right at the exact same time that youth culture is starting to permeate its way through and become the dominant culture in the United States. 
this show seems counter that completely, where all their big guest stars are people <laughs> of whom are no younger than like 55. Isn't it so interesting? I'm sure somebody's written a book about it, but yes, the guest stars are super old. They're from another time. Mm. It's a children's- A name's still relevant in 1966-67. I mean, we look at it now being like, you know, these are the golden days of um, television. But relevant to a, an older audience that is yeah. trying, that is remembering the 40s, basically. Yeah, no one under the age of 30 are really that aware of who a lot of these people are, right. I'm sure. And it's a children's show, so they're trying to aim it at extremely young people, technically. But also, it's very counter-counterculture. There's a lot of references to young people and their um, wild ideas, and they ironically use the word groovy like it's stupid. And uh, that is fascinating. See, I think that there was maybe a bit of a rewrite done on these scripts for a couple of reasons. One, they open it with that line saying it's such a groovy day in Gotham City. And I feel that's, you know, someone doing a rewrite thing, that's just a really funny way to do it. Uh, the end of the episode of part one has them telling you to come back manana. Yeah, what the hell was that? <laughs> I have no idea. It seems baffling, like it's incongruous to everything else happening in this episode. Very strange, just, yeah, a lot of stuff uh, out of character. Yeah, but then you've got the stuff at the very beginning talking about the fearsome Black Widow. And I think a lot of that was written in there purely the writer thinking, you know what, let's have a bit of a joke here. Clearly, it's not going to be a great villain. This is not going to be one of the finer outings of this series. Let's muck around. And so I thought it was one of the regular writers on the show of whom was just having a goof at that initial script level. But I suspect that's been added in later by one of the other people working on the show. I think you're giving them a lot of credit. I think they say that about every, literally every villain on the show is, oh my God, <laughs> that person's back. Oh no. No, I, I think this was over-egged in a way that it isn't usually. But I, I thought maybe the writer would be probably worth sort of pointing out here. And it's actually nobody really particularly of note, but rather the writer for this episode was Robert Mintz. Now, Mintz, he's got only a number, of, a couple of writing credits to his name. There's these two episodes of Batman. He wrote uh, an episode of The Outer Limits. And also had a story by credit from him on that show. And also wrote a script for another series that I don't really know. It was called The Adventures in Paradise. Now, he limited number of episodes, but his actual work on Batman is quite notable. He was a production coordinator for most of it. So he's essentially working there on the production side of things. Got a script to them saying, hey, look, you know, I'd like to get this up and running. And then post the Batman series a few years after that. He must use his writing leverage to start getting producer roles. And so he produced a whole bunch of things through the late 70s. And I think started doing financing going on. There's a unique credit for him later in his career where he was the Bond something or rather for Sex, Lies and Videos Hape. And there were a couple of other small, like early 90s indie films. I wish you get him on the show. Uh, I would like to, but I suspect that much like everyone else involved in Batman, not really so much with us anymore. Um, a good producer can get a, get a hold of anybody. Yeah, I'll see what I can organize there. But can we just go back to talking about the age of the people on the show? Yes. Like Tallulah Bankhead, if you're going to cast that these days, who would you cast in that role? Because it probably wouldn't be like a 62-year-old woman. So the equivalent today would be uh, casting... Like Clint Eastwood. <laughs> as the Black Widow. As, a, as the bad guy. I mean, I was thinking, if I was watching this TV show in 2018 and it's a fresh production, I'd expect seeing a role like that, someone like Calista Flockhart or maybe like Catherine Zeta-Jones or someone like that, someone of whom's, you know, like 15 years out of the, you know, the eye of the mainstream public. Now, someone Calista that, Flockhart's awkward bringing up because she's been in Supergirl for the first season of that. But Someone you know. that the audience will be really happy to see. Yeah, a familiar face. Yeah. Yeah, like a Terry Hatcher or someone like that. 
Imagine if they redid this show now. They could have so much fun with it. Give it to the Zaz guys. Make it full of jokes. Sorry, the Zaz guys are the young hotshots you're going to bring in to run the show in 2018. <laughs> the guys of whom were producing, what, the airplane movies in 1976, yeah, 78? not far off from Batman, actually. <laughs> Who would you want to see produce this show now? Oh, that's a remarkably good question. I would not necessarily think of someone of whom is a mainstream creator right now. I'm sure there's like a young hotshot who would... You know, be looking to make their name something ridiculous like this. But who would you like to see to have a go? You know what? Two people that I think would make a bang up job of a campy 1966 style Batman show in 2018. Two promising young writers named Dan Barrett and Nick Bassine. Hey, there all we right, go. I like it. Let's bring those guys on board. Yeah, we'd make a hilarious show. Hey, interesting bit of trivia. Tallulah Bankhead's ex-husband is a guy named John Emery. And apparently he played Batman in a proposed pilot for a Batman radio serial during the 1940s. Fantastic. Um, can we talk about some more female shaming that goes on in this episode oh, at the beginning? Please. So Anne Harriet is trying on a pair of black pants, which apparently are quote unquote mod. She wants to look mod. Which is just unbelievable. They just look like black pants. Um, I mean, I think for her perspective as a woman of that age in the mid 60s, like she you wouldn't be wearing worn, pants. She hasn't worn pants before, I'm sure. So she says, every bachelor in Gotham City will be staring. And Bruce and Dick laugh and laugh like it's the funniest joke they've ever heard because she's, the implication is, she is so old and hideous, of course no one will be staring. No, but there was another like really harsh thing just moments before then where she's talking about when she went and bought the black pants and Aunt Harriet says that the sales girl told her that she didn't have the face for a miniskirt. Yeah, more laughs. Mm. And then Aunt Harriet identifies later as a beatnik. Yeah, they were pretty ruthless. And that was the hardest I've seen either of those characters laugh on this show. Yeah, I was feeling horrible for Aunt Harriet while watching it. No, it was pretty grisly. Mm. Also, uh, soon after that, Alfred comes in and tells Bruce that Mr. Gordon Commish is calling, and Anne Harry can't figure out that he's talking about Commissioner Gordon. It's almost like he's not trying anymore. Yeah, it's pretty lazy. Not attacking Aunt Harriet, but there is the moment when Batman and Robin are attacking Black, uh, Black Widow, and Batman uses the phrase, You didn't count on us, did you, you sophisticated but evil woman? <sighs> yeah, it's nasty. Yeah, I mean, he called her sophisticated, but that's kind of nice, that I guess. That softens the blow. Yeah, the evil woman. She just, she doesn't come across as evil at all. She's just, if the worst you could say about her is that she's kind of a prankster. She's yeah. just kind of stealing money with the hypnosis thing. But he doesn't need to gender her either. No, it's not na not necessary. He never jumps in on Cesar Romero and is like, put your hands off, you know, you, you crazy costume you man. man. Yeah. There is a bit of, uh, I don't know if you picked up on it, but it was my favorite part of the show. Uh, there's a bit of uh, ADR in the business. They call it ADR. Additional oh, that'd be additional dialogue, dialogue recording. Yeah. Um, I've got my copy of the Leonard Moulton film guide. I know how this works. It's in the Batmobile and uh, Batman's not feeling great. And uh, uh, Robin says something, something. Are you Batman? The tone in his voice changes so dramatically. It's hilarious. Uh, there's probably some good work from Burt Ward in this episode where he's portraying the Black Widow as Robin and he's talking yes. and he's trying to over uh, gesture with his facial movements as though he is the Black Widow and her voice is coming out of his mouth. And that's some of the best work we've seen from Burt no, Ward. He was point. earning his paycheck then. Now, we've watched a lot of episodes of this show. Yes. Safe to say. 
They spend a lot of time, Batman and Robin, explaining what their gadgets do instead of showing us. And for kids watching, it seems like that could get a little, yeah, let's go. Let's just get to what the gadgets do rather than stop telling us what your uh, bat uh, ionizer did. Here's the thing. I think they do that in pretty much every episode of the show. I think you've noticed that more in these episodes because you're looking for something to look for in these episodes. Yeah, well. Can we talk about the henchmen for a little bit? Please. Now, you've got three henchmen. There was one there named Tarantula, and then you had another guy named Daddy Longlegs. But then there's the third guy, Trapdoor. That's this week's Milk and Cookies. So Trapdoor's entire gimmick seems to be that he's regularly just behind trapdoors and comes out. So he comes out of a trapdoor at the end. In fact, he offers both Batman and the Black Widow some milk towards the end of this episode. Yes, that was one of the most stirring milk-drinking scenes I've ever seen, ever captured on uh, film. It was certainly up there. Now, I'm not used to really seeing actors who play the henchmen as putting in great performances. I don't think that really happens. And the performance put in by the guy playing Trapdoor was definitely, you find subpar, and then you go a little bit lower than that. Because this guy was not really delivering it. But I did some research on him, and I found out why he isn't coming across like a charismatic actor, because he's not professionally an actor. Rather, he's a Major League Baseballer by the name of Al Ferrara. Oh, that's who that That's who that guy is. I don't know who that is. Was he a famous one? Uh, in that, you know, people who play baseball, I guess, are reasonably well known. There's a really weird moment where there's an older gentleman who talks to Batman and Robin as though it's a celebrity cameo when they first enter the bank. And it didn't really quite sit right. There was no real payoff to the moment. And I figured he had to be someone. Uh, the actor was George Raft, and he's well known for being in the original version of Scarface. And in that version, his character was notable for constantly flipping a coin during scenes, which he's doing in this scene in Batman. Wait, which Scarface is he in? The 1932 Scarface. With Paul Mooney? Yeah, the Howard Hawks film. And who was he in that? Uh, I don't know. He was apparently some character who was constantly flipping a coin in scenes. Okay. Yeah. That's and cool. so he was kind of known for that. But I started looking into his uh, filmography and I realized I actually know who George Raft is because I'm reasonably familiar with They Drive By Night which is a film starring Humphrey Bogart. It's about two brothers. Humphrey Bogart's one of the brothers, George Raft being the other. Oh. Okay. Yeah. That's very nice. Now, there's an actor in it who isn't really particularly notable for being in anything specific. He was in a lot of things. As this guy, Milton Stark, and he stood out at me in this episode because he had a really unique sort of facial hair situation. Like, he had, like, black hair on top, but his moustache seemed very blonde. Who was he in? in Uh, he, He was one of the bank managers. I think he was the second bank manager they encounter. Anyway, I was looking up uh, like his details, and apparently he only died in 2016 at the age of 103. So good work, Milton Stark. Hey, when did you say these episodes were aired? Uh, so this was in 1967, and Tallulah passed away shortly the afterwards. next year, yeah. Yeah. I just saw that. So she was apparently a really heavy smoker, and there was a number of times where they stopped filming so she could take some puffs out of her oxygen machine. Oh, Jesus. That would be that would explain why her voice is so throaty. Yeah, she was very throaty. She's from Alabama. Did you pick up on that? <laughs> did you was, pick up on an Alabama accent? I, I did not notice. Because her vo- her accent is crazy mid-Atlantic fake 40s movies, American movie star. Like Cary Grant. Like yeah, it's, sure. a, it's a made-up accent. Nick Bassine, there's obviously a lot of great things that happen in these two episodes. Yeah. But maybe for the purposes of one this podcast up soon... What's your highlight from the episode? Well, I did mention that my favorite part was the um, ADR, Are You Batman? Hopefully we get some audio of that. Ready? Are you Batman? Never 
readier. But after that, it would have to be um, the policeman's um, breaking down over having just murdered Batman. That was a particularly amazing line. For over nothing, by the way. Batman was just sitting in the car doing nothing, but Robin said, yeah, Batman's going to rob the bank anyway, and that was enough for the policeman to murder him. Yeah, some sort of hate crime. Doesn't care for those bat people infiltrating the city. My favorite moment was Batman singing, I'm called Little Buttercup. Oh, the singing was great. That was phenomenal. Poor Little Buttercup. Sweet Little Buttercup. That was great. You're right. Absolutely. You win. Nick, tell me, did you learn anything from Batman this week? I learned, and this isn't really applicable to um, the daily life in uh, 2018 necessarily, but um, at one point, Black Widow um, calls Chief O'Hara, Chief O'Hara? Yeah, I heard that as well. That was weird. And he's totally cool with it. So I learned that Chief O'Hara doesn't mind how people pronounce his name. Did you learn that? Or maybe did you take away a broader lesson, which is that sometimes casual acquaintances may not necessarily know your name, but they're not necessarily negative in spirit in when the flag is... Oh, yeah. Intent is what matters. Yeah, very much so. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, The lesson that I took away from this week, and it's really confronting a bias that I guess I have personally within people, and I appreciate that this is tapping into an area where people have serious medical problems and dependencies, but I personally don't really trust anyone who isn't willing to have a drink. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And like, look, I understand people have alcoholism issues. Like there's some of that in my own family. And if that's an issue, you certainly shouldn't be having a drink. And I completely understand where you're coming from. And that involves other drugs and substances as well. Totally fine. I get that. And you don't have to explain it to me, you know, whatever. But I just don't trust people. And I don't imagine Batman's the kind of guy that's had a substance abuse problem in the past. But the fact that he's not willing to have a gentle drink, I know I find that a bit weird. He insisted that he'd only have a glass of milk. And maybe he's just trying to recreate what happened last week with the milk and cookies moment where he could go home with Lula Bankhead at the end of the night. But I don't know. There just seems to be something very uncomfortable to me about Batman only requesting glasses of milk. I tend to agree, but just if you don't want to drink, that's fine. But I think a glass of milk is an odd choice in that kind of scenario. And I would think you would just go with the water. You'd think so. Or maybe just ask for some chocolate syrup or something to be added. Plain milk. Some Yoohoo. Is that what you're suggesting? We don't have Yoohoo in this country, Nick. Oh, damn it. All right. Next, you'll be telling me they should be adding some Bosco in there. What about Mellow Yellow? Do you have that? Uh, We used to have that. I don't think that Mellow Yellow continues in this country as a brand. No, I I think it's done in the world. Rest in peace. On that dark note, we should probably wind this down. Nick Bustine, you're on the Twitter's right. I am. I am at Tallulah Bankhead's accent, which is from Alabama. (laughs) Dot com. (laughs) Or you can find me at Nick Bassine. Increasingly, I really feel you don't really know how Twitter handles work. <laughs> you can find me at the Dan Barrett. If you're enjoying Batman land, you should use the Batman. <laughs> 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 and it helps people track conversation around the show. If you're enjoying the show, leave a review on your various podcast apps of choice. It really helps people discover and enjoy the world of the Batman land. Nick Bassine. You're on a podcast that we produce here through SBS. It's called The Playlist. Oh, it, thanks for mentioning it, Dan. It's a frank and open uh, cultural conversation uh, that um, has its finger on the pulse. It really does. The kids are going crazy for it. Yeah. Why? 
the fingers on the pulse. Yeah. Something else people might want to check out is the Handmaid's Tale podcast, Eyes on Gilead. If you're watching The Handmaid's Tale and you're not listening to this, you're doing yourself a major disservice. The Handmaid's Tale is a show which I think you can watch week to week and you kind of get it just watching it generally. But there's a lot of subtle nuance happening in that show that I think you actually do need to dive a bit further into because it's actually an incredibly complicated show with a lot happening. And the Eyes on Gilead podcast, check it out because they actually take part like the episodes and you find like some of these little nuggets that really turn the show into a much more rewarding, rich experience. I've learned so much about that show while listening to this podcast. Strong recommendation. Uh, also, if you're not tired of me, there's a podcast we do called The Good Fight SBS Fan Podcast. And we talk about The Good Fight each week. Myself and Sarah Malik discuss the real world issues that inform the show The Good Fight. Check it out. If you're watching The Good Fight, you know, I think you'll enjoy the podcast. And if you're not watching The Good Fight, Nick, how do you feel about people not watching The Good Fight? I think it's absolutely atrocious because it's the future of mainstream TV. <laughs> okay, Nick's being hyperbolic. But in fairness to the show, it's a really smart, savvy, hour-long drama it's a series. Great show. If you're not watching, I'm not hyperbolizing. Hyperbolizing? I'm not. I'm not hyperbolizing at all. Yeah. I definitely believe that that is. It's the future of the broadcast uh, TV show. Well, you don't get a more honest reaction than that. I also like Homeland quite a bit. Really? While, while we're on SBS shows, yeah. Yeah. Still good. Uh, fans of Batman might want to check out Counterpart launching on the SBS On Demand and on SBS very shortly. That's right. There's, I think Batman's in that show. Uh, Batman's not in the show, but oh. the gentleman playing Commissioner Gordon in the most ah, recent Batman right. movies, Good he's time. the star of the show. Right. Uh, and if you're enjoying Batman, for the final plug of this podcast, can I provide a Batman-related recommendation? We've been talking about season two here. We're nearing right the end of season two, but maybe there's a whole bunch of episodes from earlier in season two that you just want to relive every night on SBS Viceland now from 6.30 to 7.30. It's Batman wall to wall, Monday through Thursday, and then Friday night, the brand new episodes. That's so much Batman. So much Batman. Not enough Batman as far as I'm concerned. There's never enough. Nick Bassine, it's been a pleasure. Likewise. Talk, talk to you the same Batman land time, same Batman land channel. Sure, manana. Now let's go get some milk and cookies. Attention all units, be on alert for Batman. First name unknown, Caucasian, height 6'2", wearing purple trunks, purple cape, purple cowl, and a black bat signy on his chest. He has a masked accomplice whose alias is Robin. Approach with caution. They may be armed.